0: I've always envisioned a world that was based off art. And the reason why I say that is because art brings people together. I was in Vegas and I went to go see Future and Travis Scott live. And I was tripping out at like the diversity of people that came to see these artists. You know what I mean? I was just like, imagine if like art was the highest form of art. I don't know, uh, currency or, or 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 in a way where I feel like when you talk about, like, you go to these communities and how, like, some of the art programs are not funded and some, like, how arts is, like, low on the totem pole. Like, imagine if that was reversed. It's just one of those things where I think if just a world revolved around art, I think would you would see a lot more of a peaceful world because I just noticed dance, music, all those universal languages unite people.
1: I'm Kimberly Drew, and you're listening to Your Attention Please, a Hulu podcast with iHeartRadio. By now, you might have already seen Your Attention Please on Hulu, but if you haven't, let me sum it up for you really quickly. It's a short series about nine amazing people who are defining what our future might look like. It inspires us to think about the Black creatives of today and tomorrow. The show invites us to dream and have more imagination about what's going on in relationship to Black culture and Black creatives. I hope that this podcast provides a deeper perspective on the work that each of the nine fabulous people that are featured on the show, what they bring to the world. I hope that everyone leaves with just a different and more bold perspective of these incredibly complicated figures. And I hope that that complication of their narrative helps each of us to walk away and complicate ourselves, to live more boldly, and to make our own bits of history. As for me, I'm a writer, curator, and activist, passionate about sharing Black stories. And I couldn't be more excited to share space with these heroes Today, we'll be joined by MAI, AKA John Bugs and Lil Buff. MAI stands for Movement Art Is, and that's what they're all about, movement art. Their work is visually stunning and absolutely moving. To them, movement is entertainment, but it's also so much more. It's a pathway to empathy, to connection, and to action. My first introduction to MAI, and more specifically Lil Buck, was actually on YouTube. I was doing research for some project and discovered Lil Buck's video with Yo-Yo Ma. Getting to see Lil Buck glide across the floor and defy gravity left an impression upon me and my thinking about the future of Black art. And today I'm thrilled to be joined both by Buck and his incredible creative partner, John Buggs, to learn more about the work that they do together and to learn more about the bright future for the collective MAI. So if they could have your attention, please. Our guest today, MAI.
0: I'm John Buggs.
1: I'm Lil Buck.
0: And together and we, we are, are M- MAI.
1: So for anyone who's listening who isn't familiar with the work that y'all do, I wonder if you could just give a general introduction to MAI, why you decided to start it, and specifically because 2016 is when you guys started?
0: Uh, I think around that time, I mean, Buck and I have known each other since 2009. So we've been dancing together for a really long time. And then we had like a period where kind of Buck went off and was touring with Madonna and touring with Yo-Yo Ma, and I was still street performing in L.A., and then we both happened to sync back up in Las Vegas when I was dancing for Cirque du Soleil, the Michael Jackson show at Mandalay Bay. Buck was happened to be in that same show, and even back in 2009, we shared the same passion for where we wanted to take dance. We wanted to elevate street dance artistically, theatrically, and just we shared that passion of like bringing back that era of like, Fred Astaire's, Gene Kelly's, Gregory Hines, Nicholas Brothers. Like when dancers and movement artists were like household names, you know. And so we shared that passion. And that was like, that passion was like the root of why we started MAI. We wanted to put movement artistry and dance on a higher prestige level and change people's perception of the art form that we do. So in 2016, I happened to leave Cirque du Soleil because Buck was, like, convincing me, like, hey, man, it's great you're working there, but we need to, like, we need to start our own thing, you know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, our own uh, Cirque du Soleil, let's say, you know what I mean? Like, our own brand.
2: And film, because one of the strongest points I saw in John Boog's was his um, his amazing creative way of, you know, combining dance and film, because when I met him, that he was already in that space, you know what I'm saying, of, like mixing what means a lot to him and, you know, socially and, um, and his movement and telling stories with that. So when I met him, he was just, you know, we, I just knew him as a freestyle popper and he was you know, extremely good at that. We street performed together, but the more we talked to each other, the more we really started to realize that we were, you know, like-minded about the trajectory of street dance and where we, where we see it. And, um, and, yeah, I started seeing—he started making these films that were just unbelievable, you know? And people weren't doing anything like that in street dance, especially in our genre. People weren't making films about homeless people, you know, and about, you know, just bringing awareness around a lot of these different things that we see on an everyday basis, you know? And it just means nothing to the average person, but, like, we, he just gives— so many different topics that means a lot to him, so much substance. And we wanted to, you know, we want to build that platform again because slowly dance has kind of, you know, diverse to like back background and behind the scenes, which is good because a lot of dancers dreams now are to like dance for a certain artist. But like a lot of times we forget how important and how, how powerful
1: our own artistry is in its own. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that. Um, Where do you hope that the dance style that you do goes? Or what are the things that motivate you in terms of sharing your dance with the world?
0: I mean, I think the goal and the trajectory is, you know, we consider what we do fine art. You know, the same way people admire Basquiat or Picasso or Van Gogh, you know, um, we strive to have our artistry hopefully be honored on that same level. You know, so really the trajectory is just to break down those boundaries and borders that people tend to put on street dance. You know, they tend to be like, oh, it's a just a freestyle thing or it's it's a street thing or, you know, and we try to constantly kind of push back on those stereotypes and just keep stretching out the possibilities of what it could be. And then also just like, you know, when we talk about Fred Astaire's and, or Gene Kelly's or Michael Jackson's or any of those, Powerful artists, like, we feel like every year there should be a dance film that's honored at the Oscar. Why can't we have a film as powerful as The Color Purple or The Revenant or, I don't know, I'm just thinking of films, Schindler's List, films that pop into my brain. Why can't dance be pushing those narratives? And now we start to change what a dance film really could look like. So trajectory-wise, hopefully just more award-winning, worthy dance films, and also just in general, the genre being honored on the same level as any other fine artist.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. Speaking of video, so you guys worked together to create this really beautiful film that was aired on your attention, please. Could you talk a little bit about the creative process? What went into building out that idea, highlights, difficulties in the production?
2: It was an amazing uh, experience working with that film, and, you know, we got to really hone in on what we do best, which is, you know, performance and, you know, the direction of it as far as, like, uh, you know, how we wanted to start it, and um, we worked with a great, uh, you know, camera operator, Cam, you have been working with him for so long, and he's... He's actually um, worked a lot with us on our company, so he knows exactly how to shoot us. And it was it was just beautiful. We got to really tell the story we wanted to tell. And the story was about just honoring the legacy of the dancers that came before us, the black dancers that came before us, the Earl Snake Hips Tuckers, the, the different groups, the G-Styles, dancers even in our neighborhoods that you guys don't know about to help cultivate our movement in such a way that it's, you know, become a global phenomenon poppins became a global phenomenon due to you know these people that were like rooted in our history and Memphis Jookin became a global phenomenon because people were deep, deeply rooted in history in Memphis so um, we wanted to tell those stories as well as you know the ones that a lot of people know about such as like Earl Snake Hips or the Nicholas Brothers and all of those guys we wanted to really just you know make a film that impact that really shows that impact that they had on us and also the trajectory and where we see that type of artistry, like Boogs was talking about before. Like so you see the setting in the museum and I don't like if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I don't want to give too much away. I don't know if I'm giving too much away on this podcast, but like if you see the setting that we're in, you see it's that museum setting, you see the frame, you see like where we're trying to where we're going with it and the story we're telling with it and how we visualize and see ourselves as fine art. You know, in that picture. So he worked with the incredible uh, spoken word artist Bino. We I call her Bino. Me and books call her Bino, but her name is Robin Sanders, one of the most incredible spoken word artists of our time.
0: Period. Just shout out to Robin, who you know added the strong vocal narrative that we needed to kind of tie it all together. Shout out to Chizzy, who's from Miami. He scored the film. Both of the songs you hear in the film come from a Miami artist, which is really cool for me being from Miami, just giving ourselves an opportunity to not only create something powerful, but we, we like to stick with our tribe and our, and our people. So it was nice, you know, it was, it was nice on so many levels to be able to provide jobs to different people that we have been building with for years and give them an opportunity to put their artistry on a platform like Hulu. So it was, it was rad, man.
1: So, By way of brief introduction, a lot of the work that I do is promoting the work of Black artists in a visual art space. And I often try to think about ways to reduce the barriers of access between a public audience and the art form itself. And it's interesting to see both in the film and just in general in the work that you're doing, um, trying to make sure that people under, not just elevating dance, because I think that that's a whole other conversation. What you guys are saying is like, what is here is greatness. Um, we want to invite you into the practice of doing this too, or appreciating it in these ways. I wonder for you all what your goals are in terms of where dance finds itself or where dance audiences find, especially the the styles that y'all are doing. Does
0: that make sense? It makes sense. I I mean, I think we've been really lucky and blessed to like be able to take street dance on in places that it normally wouldn't be, you know, um, from the TED conference to just like performing at galas and and ballet festivals and just places where, like, it's not usually highlighted. You know what I mean? We've been kind of, like, building those bridges, right, to, like, kind of get people to appreciate what we're doing and then also go into worlds where they're not used to what we're doing and how we're doing it and get to introduce it, you know? So, like, for example, like, we did this massive ballet festival in Guadalajara, like, Royal ballet, English ballet, Russian ballet, like all the top ballet companies all over the world are there. And me and him were the only street dancers at this massive ballet festival. And it was 10,000 people in attendance. And you could just tell like just the response from the ballet community of like, what is it that you're doing? Like, what are those techniques? What are the names of that? Like, what is that move called? You start seeing people's like, as soon as you give them access to what it is we're doing and they can... Taking the soul of it and the essence of it, it's like it's it. people naturally will gravitate to it. But if they're ignorant to it, then they're not going to know. Sometimes people think me and Buck do the same style. That's how ignorant they are to the genres. You know what I mean? I'm like, there's some similarities we have because there's certain things in Memphis Jookin that you'll see in Popping as well. So there's some, you know, synergy. But at the same time, you just see the lack of knowledge people have for black street dances in other spaces. So we feel proud to be able to just go in these different spaces and kind of just introduce it to people. Yeah, because
2: we're really just, like you said, we're really just educating people. The more spaces we get into like this on, like, just our culture and, and you know, what's really out there. Like like you said, we've been a part of so many, we've been blessed to perform on so many different stages because and only because we've done one thing, literally, and that's, Change the music to what we dance to. Yeah, like, that's funny. So we start breaking down these barriers, even within our own culture of like just performing to rap music or hip hop. You know, we perform to classical music. We perform to Indian kuchipudi music. We we perform to any music that we feel something from, and that we can, and that we're motivated and driven to to dance to. So um, we don't let we don't have any boundaries as far as like what's moving us, whether that be nature or the music. You know, the genre of music, whatever's moving us, we're going to move to it and um, and create
0: art through that. For me, that's always been something I've been doing since I kind of started, you know? Like, so the passion between, you know, film and dance and marrying those two mediums. And then, like, I noticed all the films and even just the artists that I like, um, they had social context to their work. Like, if you think of Nina Simone, Mm -hmm. you think of Michael Jackson, uh, you know, he had They Don't Care About Us and Man in the Mirror, and then Nina had plenty of activism work. James Brown, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. So all the artists that I idolized growing up used their platform to touch on the social climate of what was happening. So, like, we always live by this quote that Nina Simone said. She's like, you can't be an artist Artist and and not reflect reflect the the times. So, it's one of those things where, like, we're obligated to do that because sometimes the news ain't going to tell it like it is and other platforms may not tell it like it is. So we try our best through our artistry to kind of give you a lens of what's going on Straight up. in the places we're from and what it looks like. And it's not to say everything we're saying is the truth, but it's just a perspective uh, from the people who really are in those places and in those environments. We're using what's happening in the world to to inspire our art, you know, and I think that's the best way to do it. So it always comes natural. You're doing something that really means something to you and you're not like, oh, I'm an activist, so I have to do this or that, you know what I mean? You just kind of leave yourself room to feel. As we were starting to do more social activism work inside the art that we do, we had to say we got to really be about that lifestyle, you know what I mean? Because we just coming at it from an artistic perspective, but because we're talking on so many topics that people have studied their whole lives, you know, and and put their life's work into it, we had to start affiliating ourselves with real people who do that grassroots work on a regular basis. So we know Brian Stevenson. Brian Stevenson is a lawyer and an ambassador for yeah, ending for mass, mass incarceration. incarceration. The yeah. movie Just Mercy came out yeah. about him. He has the Lynching Museum in Birmingham, which our film that we did in collaboration M-I-M-N. with him, it runs on loop every day in that museum. And we're he- we're hella honored for that because it's like this dude is like a modern day Martin Luther. You know, he's, he's, in, he's in the yes. same spectrum as as the MLKs to me and the Malcolm X's to me. And for us to be able to reach out to him and, and, and get statistics and real facts on these things, it just helps our work become more authentic, you know what I mean? I mean, books brought this to
2: my attention, too, the way we approach it. Like, what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? You know what I mean? So these are things that we ask ourselves when we're approaching these different uh, films that we're going through or different performances and all these things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you guys breaking it down like that for any non-artists that are listening. Because I think sometimes it's so... And and it's the gift of watching y'all move. It literally looks like sorcery. Like, it, I just don't understand how your bodies do that. Respect. And on another level, then thinking about the physical, literal weight of the subject matter that you're moving through. I also wonder if you could talk about bringing Black dance to the world and what are some of the thoughts that go into it? Because it's interesting that you guys have taken on the role of wanting to teach the world about Black dance, but I wonder if you ever feel protective over those dances and what that what that looks like. A
2: hundred percent we do, especially being like, the dances that me and Boogs are practiced in are very cultural-driven dances. These dances have been here before us. So there's a huge responsibility and, and there's a huge... Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's a big deal for us to be able to, like, take these dances and, and really elevate them as high as they can go, like he said, and really, you know, show the world the true power of these dances because there's no opportunities in Memphis. There's no opportunities and there's not a lot of opportunity for people to be able to shine as street dancers and, and really, you know, bring these black dancers to, to the forefront, you know, of, of our artistry or, or, you know, to get people, to, the world to respect them on that level that we, that it needs to be respected on. So it's a lot of work and we've been doing it for, what, for years now. Like I've been, I moved to LA from Memphis um, when I was 19 years old and I started my career, I had to start everything all over again at the age of 20. I had to start literally, I I was in an unknown world, unknown space, trying to show, you know, the whole world what Memphis has to offer in LA. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot of work. And a lot of times you know it's you you go you it, it's it's very hard man like just living that that street dance life is real it's real is 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 and um and yeah, but that's part of the things that help you get through it man the weight the weight of it is 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 part you know and their responsibility and just knowing that you you can you know you out of anybody can have you know you have this power to elevate this culture because um there hasn't been a lot of people. There's been some people who tried, you know, back in the day. And like I said, we really feel like um, we're in a great generation right now where we have that access and that capability to do that because of, and you know, how vast the internet is now and how much we can share with people. We didn't have YouTube to share back in the day like I was talking about. Yeah, And it's really difficult because the generation under us, you know, they aren't doing their homework. They aren't educating themselves in that way. They just want to get really damn good at it. But they don't, they aren't educating themselves, looking it up, you know, researching like, wow, these coming out of these neighborhoods. Dang, I probably could not even go to this neighborhood by myself, you know. They aren't, they aren't really getting into the nitty-gritty and this stuff. Different
0: of, ways of learning. Yeah, and different
2: ways of learning.
0: We learned know. in social environments where yep. people now are learning on the internet. There's just a different, it's a contrast, you know what I mean, of like, I can go on YouTube and go, how to Memphis Jook, and then there'll be tons of videos where you had to go to the party or go to the projects and and go get down. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? And mm-hmm. that was how you learned. So uh, it's also just getting back to you saying bringing black dance to the world is also like an obligation to like also change the perspective of black people. Because sometimes people in our own neighborhoods are like, well you ain't doing the real shit no more. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because we are mixing it with contemporary and classical and this and that, but we're just trying to show them like, yo, the boundaries, bro. Don't even, don't put boundaries don't put a boundary on what on we're doing. Man. Like, like just to me, popping is just a tool to illustrate music. Yes. Popping that tool was created by blacks. So I'm always honoring blacks as long as I'm popping. Yeah. Doesn't matter what music I'm doing it to. Right. You know? So it's like, a crazy feeling of like, you're trying to show the powers that be what it's worth. And then at the same time, you're trying to show people back home, like, get your mind out of that hood box that it's in and know that like, we've created something that is far more uh, bigger and and has the ability to be stretched out a lot further than you may even think. But because of the conditioning of the neighborhoods that some of these people grow up in, they're like, well, if you're not jooking the gangster so this music, music three, six, mafia you ain't juking, then you're not juking. you <laughs> know what I mean or if you're not popping to some funk or some like some like classical funk music then you're not popping so we deal with like um, issues on both sides so we're in this kind of weird gray area a lot of times where there's people in the hood that appreciate what we're doing and where we're from and then they're also like man y'all went too contemporary with it I don't know what that is and then you're also trying to get people uh, in the fine art space to view this black these black dances as just as high as a ballet or anything else. So it's crazy. You face challenges on both ends of the spectrum when you're trying to bring any dance to the forefront.
1: How did you get to a point where you felt like you can merge your passion and your art with your message? Well,
0: I think it's one of those things where like, I guess like, I have to share a small story that was like an aha moment for when I realized, like, I could mix dance and—
2: Is it the Carnival story?
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like that story. I did a I did a piece at Carnival, which is in L.A. It's like a choreographer showcase. And at that time, I'm looking at all the people who do popping, you know, and they're all on America's Best Dance Crew or So You Think You Can Dance. So just the way people were approaching it was a very— commercial, non-social activist way at all. And I did a piece about uh, addiction, because my uncle was a heroin addict, you know? So I I did this piece about his um, fight with trying to get off the drug, you know? Like, during the rehabilitation period. And I remember doing the whole number and I'm animating him with the needle and I'm doing all this stuff and the crowd is just looking at me like, what the hell is he doing? And And at the end of the piece, people were more like this. Nobody really clapped. You know what I'm saying? And I get off stage and I almost want to cry because I feel embarrassed. Like, I shouldn't have done that because everybody else is doing like Drake songs or like whatever the hottest thing is, top 40 stuff, they're doing that because that's what gets the crowd like, hey, you know. And I get off stage and then this lady comes up to me and she's crying her eyes out and she's like, I just got out of rehab last week. You know what I'm saying? And like her telling me that my piece touched her soul, I only needed to know that 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 helped me know that like, all right, even though I'm going in this direction that not many people in my genre are going, if I can touch her like that, then imagine if I can touch 100,000 people, a million people in that way, we could really create some real change through art. So I think it doesn't matter what you do. Just as long as you're passionate about what you do, and then if you're passionate about what, what, gender rights, women's rights, race, whatever you're passionate about socially, you can always combine those two things. And it uh, doesn't matter what scale it's on, because you can, if, as long as you move at least one person, I think you've done a good job.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like what Bugs was saying. All you have to do is have something like you, that you're really passionate about, and if you want to tell this story or if something really hits home with you, just start just start Don't you don't have to you know don't make it too complicated you know just start if you have something you're doing whether you're a sculptor or a dancer or a pianist or an actor or a singer that's what your art is for to be able to channel these different things and experiences you're going through through it like that's what we use dance for we use dance to liberate ourselves to find this this, this, this place of freedom where we can actually be as free as we want we're really free when we're dancing the freest that we can ever feel in our lives no one can tell you anything in that world so we have that power to use whatever voice we want to through that medium and be understood because it's coming from a place where you're understanding it through you know through the heart and the mind you're getting both stimulated at the same time through your heart and your mind you see us perform and that's powerful that's how you move people and help create change and make memorable experiences for them to wake up in the morning and really think about what they saw last night, like, wow, I want to do something. So I I think it's just really finding great ways to use what you already have to help, you know, tell the stories you really want to tell. And it's just as simple as that.
1: This is the part of the show where we give Hulu subscribers a chance to ask you their own set of questions after watching Your Attention Please, now streaming on Hulu. Our first question is from Brianna in New York. Brianna asks, who do you dance for?
2: Mm, Who do we dance for? Well, Brianna, we dance for many people. We dance for ourselves. (laughs) um we dance for the next generation for, for this is me speaking through me I, you know but we dance for i dance for myself i dance for the next generation for the future generation and um, and um i'm dancing for the love and for joy you know it's pretty much it, the the basis of it i'm dancing because i madly and deeply in love with it and um i know how contagious that is so that's why i dance and I dance to spread love, spread joy, and because it makes me happy and, um, and because it's a very powerful thing.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I just dance for m- myself, for the people in my neighborhood, for the black dancers that paved the way before me. And that's probably it for me.
1: Fab. Our next question is for Buck, and it is from Tyrone from South Carolina. For Buck, do your toes hurt? When you (laughs) buck. Do my toes
2: hurt when I buck? Okay. When I was 16, they used to hurt like hell. And I'll tell you why. I used to train because I I always saw jookers. And people think I got on my toes from ballet. And I'm glad Tyrone asked this, but because I haven't, I never even looked at a ballet dancer when I started dancing on my toes. I first saw people do Memphis Jooking. On their toes because you know uh these guys were in the streets first of all we didn't have no tv when i was growing up we was poor so i can't even watch i ain't even know i can't even watch ballet dancers i <laughs> didn't even seen them on person or none of that but um you know i knew what it was but i used to just see my guys in my in my in, you know in, in my environments just you know dancing and they would go up on their toes and hit certain spins and come back down in a glide and it was just the most amazing thing ever so i was like you know what I don't see them stay up for long up there. I want to. I want to just learn how to stay up there. And then I knew ballet dancers got on point. I just didn't know what was it about. I didn't. It wasn't until later on when I found out that you know mostly guys don't even do point. It's mostly you know girls who do point. So I was like, I don't care. I don't, I want to learn how to stay up on my toes, anyways. But yeah. Long story short, they used to hurt when I first started because I used to train and walk around in the house in very soft shoes. Um, Shoes with soft soles, so you you can really feel your feet in the ground. I used to walk around all the time in school and in the grocery stores and everywhere I went, just on my toes till they bled. And I did that until I just built this. <laughs> um, I guess I just built this strength where they don't really hurt as much as much when I'm on them. So uh, don't take the hard way. Don't don't do what I did. Just you know, that was a little too much. I probably should have put a disclaimer on that. <laughs> Kids don't try that at home. Don't walk around on your toes all day. Trust me, I don't want to hear nothing from your mama talking about how my my child had to go to the hospital <laughs> because he <they> little <love> buck. <laughs> no, nah, but um yeah, they don't hurt anymore because I've worked really hard for them not to.
1: So we've talked a bit about your work and your vision. But for the next two minutes or so, I'd love for you to tell me what's been on your mind lately. It can be about anything that's moving you or that you want to share with the world.
2: Yep, I'm so sorry, but I want to talk about bullying. That has been a subject that I've been dying to touch on because I know there's a lot of kids out there who still go through that. And that's something that's not just a phase. You know, this is a generational thing that's been happening for generations. You know, kids getting bullied and the miscarriage understanding of each other in in these different schools and like how much they have to deal with as a, as a, you know, as a kid growing up, I dealt with that a lot because my family moved around a lot. So I can, um, so I really, um, I don't know. I just want to talk about that and bring that up because I think that's one of the next things that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to touch on with short film because I've lived that. And I, have a story that I know a lot of the youth can connect to through bullying because for me to reach my goals and my dreams where I am right now and 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 had to navigate having to navigate through all of that and how they could you know bullying can pull you in so many I mean getting bullied and being a victim of bullying can pull you in so many directions man it can a lot of times it can make a break you know what you're doing artistically or whatever and I really want to tell that story because I know there's a lot of There's so many talented men and women, you know, little kids out there that have, you know, so much to offer and so much on the inside. But then they're afraid to bring it out because so much peer pressure they're going through. And I really want to tell that story. So that's one thing I want to talk about was just um, I just want to tell you all to be on the lookout for something dealing with that, you know, because I'm working with some kids in Memphis right now and a school right now to help me do it and shoot it at. And um, and yeah, that that that's just a real topic that really hits home with me, and uh, something y'all can look out for the future in. And- yeah, for sure.
0: Now that I had a few minutes to think, or a few seconds to think, um, I just want to talk about sh- street dancers. Just thinking more broad, you know, just in general. You know, I think uh, us as a community, we have to start thinking better for ourselves and not really relying on choreographers to call you up and give you a job, create the space for yourself, you know? And I, I feel like because it's so, such a, um, it's a, it's a fickle industry, you know, the dance space, you know, there's only a few different lanes and I feel like sometimes we get boxed into just being those freestylers or, or just um you know the 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 cool street moment in a in a music video or in a situation but like really trying to take on ownership and entrepreneurship of your art you know i think that's has to be the new standard or we're never going to elevate as as a culture and as a and as a genre so i feel like what i've learned is it's a lot harder to do it yourself, it's a lot harder to produce, direct, so and create hard, yeah. your own content and your own work and your own shows, but the payoff it's is worth so it. much <laughs> greater. You know what I yeah. mean? And I think that's what I want to try to do is set an example for other street dancers to say, oh, I can be a director. I can choreograph. Like, like I don't know what mentally has made us think we can't, but... For some reason, I think that's a thing in our industry is we're, we're waiting on the opportunity instead of yeah, creating that's a big
2: thing, man. the opportunity.
0: Wow. So um, that's kind of what I think is important. And just lastly, just celebrating each other more. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's room for everybody. Me doing well is a win for the culture. Like Book said, nobody appointed him a director. He had to go get that. And you learn
2: so much through just starting and just, you know, so like my advice to everyone out there is just to start and it's not a shortcut. It's not a short road. It's a marathon. Shouts out to Nipsey. It's a marathon, y'all. Take it.
1: For everyone who's listening, I just have to apologize because you didn't get to see today's guests move in the studio. It is such an incredible gift to see these two artists at the height of their creative careers move and talk through the goals that they have. I left today's interview feeling inspired and awestruck by their ability to articulate such complex themes through movement through visuals, and through their words. But their dreams are so much bigger than any one dance. They both are so dedicated to making sure that people know where these dances come from, who originated them, how they're executed. And in the face of potential ignorance, they bring a generosity that I found particularly inspiring and one that I didn't ever anticipate from the world of dance in the way that they were able to articulate. I walked away with a sense of duty to these dances and to the practitioners in a way that I feel so inspired by. I hope that any aspiring dancers who listen to today's conversation can take away a sense of permanence, understanding that people care about dance People care about the stories that you're telling. And it is our duty to continue to learn from movement artists, to continue to complicate our understanding of the histories and the futures of dance. I hope that anyone who's listening today takes away a sense of urgency and duty. Because at the end of the day, we all have the ability to tell our stories and to make our voices heard. It isn't about waiting until someone calls your line. It's about making your voice heard, about taking a stand, about moving forward and pushing the limits of other people's imaginations about your story. This is where we part today, but we'll be back with more Black Excellence next Friday. Until then.
0: Don't be afraid to find what you love. Share it with the world and scream from the mountaintop your attention,
1: please.